0: This extraordinary gospel shows up in all four gospels in one form or another, so we can put them together and get an even clearer picture of why this is so important. There's far more than you can unpack in ten minutes in this homily, so I'll take a half hour Oh, they're worried. Uh, notice how, uh, how you wonder how they got along for three years. Uh, one time we see Jesus fishing and pulling a coin out of a fish's mouth. It, it was these... These people following him, especially these women with money, that were supporting them. Uh, you have a very wealthy wife of a steward. This is a very important position. And Mary Magdalene apparently of some kind of low life. We don't know if this is Mary Magdalene in this story or not. The gospel is silent. And a couple of other ladies all together with Jesus. Like we are here. We're all different people, but we come together for Jesus' sake. And it's just like that. And so you've got this group following him. Jesus is invited to dine in this person's house. He gets he gets a dinner invitation. Now, when we go over to somebody's house for dinner, a formal dinner, usually somebody, not at this time of year, but somebody will take your coat, right? And they put it away. If I have to hang my own coat up, it's a little, just a little bit rude. Then they'll offer you something to drink, and, and a little hors d'oeuvre or something like that, and invite you to sit down. Uh, these are the common courtesies that we might shake hands if, if we're not formally introduced. Jesus gets none of this. See, this. we have to put it into our terms to understand the slight rudeness that's occurring here and ask ourselves why. The Pharisee has invited Jesus over. And at the end of the gospel, we see that others are in attendance. No doubt, other Pharisees. No doubt they've invited him over to scope him out. And there's nothing wrong with that. They were the guardians of the, of the orthodoxy and that sort of thing. It was their job to uh, keep track of who's going around presenting themselves as teachers. They know that Jesus has a Galilean accent, which is considered a Hick accent. They know that, uh, that he has no formal education. They can tell by his hands that he worked for a living. They never did. He's got carpenter's hands. We were talking about this after Mass last night. I've got... I've got really small hands for a man. You know, you can tell I never did manual labor. You know, I, some guys have very thick hands from the work that they do. Jesus had a worker's hands. They look down on him for all of those reasons. So he comes in. He doesn't get the customary greeting, which is the kiss of peace that you see the bishop do or, or up at the abbey when the monks give the rite of peace. They do one side, they do the other. It's not a kiss on the lips or something. It's, it's the kiss of peace. Jesus is not greeted this way. Instead, he comes in. If anybody's standing there, he walks in on his own. He doesn't get that. It's standard to have somebody have a bowl of water or in a a higher household to have a servant to wash the feet because, after all, the feet are, uh, they don't take baths that often. Nobody washed Jesus' feet. He noticed this. Jesus noticed these small but deliberate insults. And then the third one was he didn't get an anointing for his head. This is this was uh, Mark. Mark was anointed when he was ordained on the hands. This anointing was to kind of cut the smell. Put it that way. And so he didn't get that either. He just walked in. Now this was an open dinner. It's like an open house. Uh, People would come and go. The door was open, but you'd know if you were wanted. This woman comes in, she's not breaking in. She's coming in, it's, people are free to come, but she's the wrong person. And she knows she doesn't belong there. She's going into the lion's den. Everybody knows what kind of woman she is. Many women carried a little alabaster flask around their necks, and they did this for to smell, either to cut the smell of others, it's right under your nose, like, like some people do on airplanes, and or, to make themselves smell a little better, so they keep uh, an alabaster flask here. Uh, and she had one she brought in. It was quite large. In another gospel, she breaks it when she washes Jesus' feet and anoints them. So she's, she pours out, and she's gotten this thing because she's a lady of the evening, and we know this because she lets her hair down right in front of everyone. No woman in public did this unless she was advertising so what this woman is doing, everybody knows what she is, a sinner, and she publicly acknowledges her sin in front of everyone with the hair coming down in front of all these teachers of the law, no less. Then she breaks or pours out, depending on which gospel you're listening to, this flask, which is quite large, probably too large to put around your neck, and the whole house smells of this alabaster this this nard that's her way of saying i'm done with my way of life all of this was gained through sin i'm pouring it out at jesus's feet and starting a new life she gave him what she could the pharisees are interested in money like all pastors and said we could have we could have sold that and built a new hall <laughs> you know that's what they're thinking they don't get it see they think they're doing everything right they have no need for god they don't, need, they don't need Jesus and his offer of mercy. They've got the law. They're doing everything their way. St. Paul says in the 2nd Read, says, I, I, I live for Christ now. The law can't save me. I, I, I have need of Christ. This woman had a need, and Jesus is attracted to her because she's needy. She, when we have a loss, a death in our family, or we have job problems, or health problems, or I heard there was a shooting this morning. i those of you who hear the news in Florida, we have terrorism problems. We are, have a world of problems in this world. And I know many people our prayers are going through a lot of trials. Pastors hear about these things. And this attracts us to Jesus. He's attracted to our problems. He's not repulsed by our sins. There's no sin that he's repulsed by. That's why he, that's why he died for us. He wants to take it off of us. But the Pharisees, they just stand there and judge. So what we learn from this gospel is that there's no sin Jesus won't forgive. The sacrament of confession is the standard way we Catholics do this for serious sins. It's never brought up again in the sight of God. We may have issues to deal with ramifications of what we've done on earth, but in heaven we are done. And he teaches us not to judge others. The woman that was most justified in that room was the biggest sinner, not the Pharisees in this case. And we often judge books by their covers. Jesus is judged and found wanting by the size of his hands, the accent that he had, the fact that he was so tanned, meaning that he worked outside a lot, that he begged for a living, that he had no formal education. This was God walking in the room. That's what God looked like. I will probably miss God if, I don't, if I'm not looking in the right place. He probably won't come in the form of a priest. You know, I'm, I'm the altar Christus here during this service, but God is going to be hiding like he is under the chasuble, which is a liturgical thing. God is hiding in these forms that we're not looking for him. And he also teaches us humility. When we come into mass, the first thing we do is say, I confess. We say it publicly. I confess that I'm a sinner before God and before human beings. When the priest, uh, I was thinking about Father Mark um, and uh, on on Friday he did his first mass with all these yulancots i guess the church was half full of yulancots and uh, there a lot of there's a lot of people in his family and people who were, who were there were telling me how, how fun it was but he put his hands in the bowl for the first time as a priest and what that symbolizes i'm doing it for all of us because you all can't come up here you put your hand in the bowl when you came in at, at, and came in and made the sign of the cross i do this liturgically for the same reason i'm not cleaning my hands It's, Lord, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. You might say that once in a while during the day. Um, It just says, I'm not worthy, Lord, to hear your word, receive the Eucharist, be in your presence, be your child, and live forever. And that's all God, the door to God's heart is humility. God is humble. He's the only person that ever, he's, he's all that is, and he does no reason to be humble. And yet, God is humility. Pride locks the doors. And you can't get in. We'll never understand God if we have too much pride. It's, it's a hard lesson to learn because all of us sin, and it's always pride in the end. Um, God can't wait to take us in, but we've got to be humble enough. Doesn't mean we have to c- cry on His feet and all the stuff that this lady did, but she was very thankful. Am I thankful for what God has done for me? Um, I'm thankful for the the three priests that we've given, that we've given a good push off here in the last five years. I think that's a great thing. We should be grateful that God allowed that in our lives, I think. Um, I'm sure they are. They've told me how much they appreciated this community, how welcoming and how much they learned from all of you without you realizing it, how kind you were to them. That was Jesus in disguise. You know, now he's gone. Now we recognize it, but the, the moment is gone. So we have to look for those other moments. And, uh, There's a lot of other examples here from the community dinner on down, but Jesus is hidden in everything that we uh, are not expecting him.